Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wildcats podcast. I'm Ross O'Hare and I'm filling in today for Mike Luke and John Schuster. And today we're going to recap a dominant performance by the Cats on Saturday night. And then we'll take a look forward to the end of the season. And what we'll do is we'll kind of look over the remaining schedules for us, UCLA, USC, and look at potential trip-up games and where I think we'll all end up record-wise at the end of the year. So let's dive right in and let's talk about that dominant performance on Saturday, or yeah, Saturday night. The Cats obviously came out um, against Washington in Washington and beat them 92-68. to um, What was most impressive, honestly, is just the way the Cats played um, for about the last 30 minutes of the game. You know, that first 10 minutes, it was a pretty, you know, slow start, which we've unfortunately become accustomed to. Um, I'd say the last, you know, 10 or 15 games, the Cats have started pretty slow in most of them. And I don't know what, you know, whether that's a um, a mental thing, whether it's just fatigue from the schedule, because we've had a jam-packed schedule with all the COVID uh, games being postponed early on in January. That I mean, there's just been so many games back to back to back. And, you know, having four games in eight days, three games in six days, like those things are, are going to wear you down over time. But it's become a trend that we've, you know, started slow, and it wasn't any different against Washington. Uh, Terrell Brown Jr. comes out and scores 16 points in the first, like, eight minutes of the game. Um, puts on a dominant performance. At one point in time, they're up 12 points uh, with about eight minutes to go in the first half, and it was almost like at the, I think it was a 10-minute mark, Tommy Lloyd took a timeout, down 12, and whatever he said, whatever he did, whatever adjustments he made offensively and defensively really made the difference. And so, you know, you look at this game and obviously, you know, everybody played pretty well. There wasn't anybody who had a, you know, terrible game, anybody who came out and just couldn't, you know, hit the broad side of the barn. And honestly, between Matherin hitting shots, Tabellis playing well, Coloco's defense playing well, it was a pretty dominant performance. And to me, what I want to focus on is really the adjustments that Tommy Lord keeps making. And this is something that, you know, he's obviously a rookie head coach. But he's been a coach for a long time, having, you know, coached for 20 years at Gonzaga, being the assistant there. It's just one of those things where you kind of take for granted a little bit his ability to make in-game adjustments because it's a lot of times they're subtle. A lot of times you start the game off with a certain game plan and then you see what the opponent's doing. And within minutes, I mean, he is making adjustments, uh, doing subs, you know, calling uh, good timeouts at the right time. And, you know, even in the first half, we made that run after being down 12 and ended the half up nine. I mean, it was one of those dominant death runs that we talk about. Just this, all of a sudden, Arizona turns it on. And before you know, you know, they've gone on a 10-0, 15-0 run and the game's completely switched. Um, so Tabellis had a great game. Obviously, he scored 21 points, went 10 of 17 from the field. And what I love most about his stat line is he played 30 minutes, which, you know, obviously coming off of his ankle injury that he's been dealing with for the last couple of weeks, for him to put it in 30 minutes, um, you know, that's the third most minutes on the team behind Creesa and Matherin, obviously shows he's getting back up to full strength. And that's what you're looking for. This time of year, for him to put up a double-double, because he also had 10 rebounds, uh, with four of those being offensive rebounds, you know, he just you're starting to see a dominant Tabellis coming in at the right time. Also had four assists, one steal. Guy had a really dominant game across the board. Nobody on Washington could check him. Right. Nobody had the ability, the quickness to stay with them or the size, you know, to deal with them down low, especially when Balo or Coloco were in the game. And so obviously the other guy who went off on uh, Saturday was Matherin. He was eight of 11 from the field, so extremely efficient, 
Um, three of five from three-point line, 25 points, five rebounds, three assists um, in 31 minutes. And the thing that I liked about him, especially over the last two games, Washington State and Washington, was this, the vibe you get where it's like he's he's out to prove people wrong or just to prove to people that he is as legit as people are, are talking about him being. And, you know, he's obviously made the top 20 a list for player of the year, and he's in contention for that, obviously. But I think that he's had some slump uh, games recently. And it was like this weekend, he kind of took it personally. And not to take the slogan from Arizona football away, but it was personal for him. It looked like it. You know, it really looked like he was out to prove, not just to Washington that game, and or Washington State, but just everybody watching that he really is a legit NBA talent, which he obviously is. We know, We all know that. But it was out like he wanted to prove it to everybody else. Um, the next leading score was Dalen Terry and he did it. I mean, you talk about efficiency, hundred percent shooting five for five from the field, two for two from three, which is amazing. He did miss his two free throws, which is unfortunate, but had seven assists and 12 points. And you talk about somebody, you know, who's six, eight as someone who can, you know, handle the ball the way he does, push the ball up the court the way he does fine. I mean, such incredible vision for him, for you to have him, Creesa, even Pell Larson brings the ball up well. I mean, you have three guys who at any point in time can get the rebound, get out, find someone open, and of course Kyer as well too. But you got, I mean, you got a team full of people who can get out and run, which Tommy Lloyd has used per, to perfection, honestly. Next guy who had uh, points-wise would be Umar Balo. He had 10 points, continues his tear, 4 of 8 shooting, 17 minutes, had 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, and 1 block. And the thing you love about Umar is, I mean, the minutes he puts in the game, whether it's 15 to 25, depending on the game and the matchup, I mean, you're getting production. You're seeing a guy who has developed just so much in just months, right? I mean, Tommy Lloyd obviously worked with him at Gonzaga, but you're seeing a jump that I think, frankly, all of us are, are surprised by in the last month, month and a half. And if he can continue that, I mean, what that does is it provides us depth down low and we need that come March. You know, there, I guarantee you there's going to be a game in March Madness this year. First weekend, second weekend. Hold your breath. About a third weekend game. But where somebody, uh, you know, Coloco or Tobelis is going to get in foul trouble. And we're going to need someone like Bala who can come in and have productive minutes. Because every game gets harder and harder in the tournament. And, you know, you can't afford to have someone like Coloco or Tobelis in foul trouble if you've got nobody behind them. That's when you get in real trouble. And that's where you can't actually play your best. What this provides us is, is firepower come March, that we have the depth that, that really foul trouble isn't going to be able to derail what we've got going on and the momentum and the way we're playing, right? I mean, obviously, the momentum that you're talking about, and we'll kind of talk about this a little bit later, is, you know, we're 22-2, and two, and nobody's done that. I mean, we've done that three times, Arizona has, in the Pac-12. Stanford's done it one time, and nobody else has done that ever. Started the season 22-2. and two. We're 12 and 1 in conference. You know, we've got a three-game lead now over UCLA. And, you know, we're in a great position. And that's what I'm saying. There's this momentum. There's this we're we're playing well right now. And one of those things that can derail it is foul trouble in a game and or injury. And so let's just hope that obviously we stay healthy, injuries don't become a factor. And honestly, you know, there's a whole lot more we could talk about in this Washington, Arizona game. But again, to me, it's this dominant performance by across the board of our players just being able to fill the, fill the roles that they need to, play at the speed we need to, and dominate you know, opponents. Even when we start slow, 
it's almost become like, okay, we're, we are going to start slow, but then we're going to turn it on and teams are just not going to be able to keep up. And you can tell by the end of the game, most teams are just worn out by the time they play 40 minutes against us. And that's why we're able to, you know, build double digit leads against pretty much everybody we've played. And so when you go on the road, you know, and you beat Washington by 24 points, it says something, right? I know Washington's not great, but they were eight and four in the conference, having beat up on a lot of the lower tier teams. But you're playing a team at home who, you know, is eight and four in the conference and you dominate them, right? You beat them, you outscore them by nine in the first half and 15 points in the second half. That second half was one of the most enjoyable second halves I've watched with the way we were running, the amount of dunks we had, the amount of, you know, flair and energy and, you know, just uh, passion we were playing with was awesome to watch. And really, Washington had no answer. As soon as Terrell Brown Jr. started going cold from the field, you know, without Dejon Davis, they really had nobody to um, score a basket. I mean, they didn't really have any, you know, they don't shoot the ball well. Um, they're not anywhere near as athletic or tall as we are. And so they just were at a huge disadvantage. And this was a mismatch from the beginning. And I'll just a few other stats to go over for you so you get everybody. Coloco had a pretty even um, even keel game. He only took seven shots, went four for seven, eight points, six rebounds. He did foul out and had two blocks. Um, Kirk Kreisa, two for nine. And every single one of those was a three-point shot. And one of the things I love to see from Kirk Kreisa is just a, a little bit more variety in his game, right? He, he strictly pretty much is a three-point shooter. And I think teams are keying in on that. Get him off the three-point line and he's not going to hurt you. If you could start getting that floater game going again like you did against Illinois and a couple other games, I think that would really expand his impact on the game. Obviously, you know, he had four assists and three steals, so he impacts the game there. And, I, you know, I think his defense has been pretty good the last couple games. I think there's a few matchups that people have beaten him up on. But I'd say overall, he's not a huge liability. I think he can he can definitely hold his, on and he bring, uh, hold his own and he brings the energy Every single game. Pella Larson played 20 minutes, two for three from the field, one for one from three, six points, one assist, one rebound. And then Justin Kyer, 17 minutes, one for two from the field, four points, three assists, and two rebounds. And really outside of Terrell Brown Jr. on Washington, who had 29 points, um, they you know there's not a whole lot going on. So that's the recap. You know I, what I love about this is we did not you know we didn't take them lightly. We didn't take them for granted. We put the pedal to the metal and we took it to them the entire game. So on to the next one. But first, let's talk about the Get Upside app. Locked on listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up. Cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two or $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get $0.25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Wildcats podcast. It's Ross O'Hare filling in for Mike Luke and John Schuster again. And what I want to do the second half of the podcast here is just go over the, you know, the last remaining games that we have. And so um, what I want to do is actually start with um, the Cats' remaining schedule because I think as we wind down the season here, what we're finding is we have a pretty good gap so far um, in the conference. We have a three-game lead against UCLA with um, seven games to go. 
And so coming up this weekend or this week, we've got Oregon State on the 17th and Oregon on the 19th. And then after that, you've got at Utah, at Colorado, at USC, then at home to finish the season off against Stanford and Cal. And so three of those games, I just kind of chalk up as surefire wins. I mean, you never, you know, you don't want to do that necessarily, but we're playing at home against Oregon State. And then the end of the season at home against Stanford and at home against Cal. Like those three should be guaranteed wins, you know, and that's kind of, I don't, again, you don't want to guarantee them, but that puts us at 15 and one in the conference. The four games that, I, you know, are always difficult is obviously the Utah, Colorado, the mountain road trip is always difficult. You've got to fly into Utah, play a game, fly over to Colorado, play a game, and then fly home. And I mean, that's going to be, that's always a difficult road trip, but Utah and Colorado aren't amazing teams this year, but they're also not just, you know, they're not terrible. And Utah is having a tough year, but again, you play at Utah. It's just always a tough environment, tough game to play. I think that's the next most winnable game is at Utah. Then, you know, you're playing at Colorado, who we've played already, and they they hung with us pretty good, but they just don't have the athleticism or the size and skill to hang with us enough. And again, again, I think that's a win. That puts us at 17-1 and one in the conference. And then you're left with two games left where it's Oregon at home and then USC on the road. And that Oregon game is one that I just have no feeling for, right? Because they've beaten UCLA, but then lost to some of the worst teams in the conference, right? They lost to Cal the other night. And... It's just one of those unknowns when you're playing Oregon is they can come out and hit a million shots and you lose the game, or they can come out and be the Oregon of, you know, of earlier in the season when they were losing to everybody. And that's just one of those games that I would not be surprised if we lose, but I really do feel pretty good about it because we're at home. And so I'm going to chalk that up for a close win. I think it'll be a hard fought game. I think it'll actually really help prepare us um, again, for March, having another really good team come in, a bubble team come in, and whose life is on the line. Their, their tournament life will probably be on the line at this point in time. If they beat Arizona, they're probably in the tournament. If they lose to Arizona, you know, and I don't think it hurts them too much, but this is the game they're circling on their, on their schedule to say this is a game that's really going to help us. And the last one is at USC on March 1st. And the reason this is the last game for me is because USC – when we played them at home, they didn't shoot the ball great. I mean, Peterson, I think, was one for 10, one for 11, maybe even worse than that. And, you know, you just didn't have a great performance by USC. And you credit our defense, credit the McHale crowd, them playing on the road. But this, is, but this game is coming directly off of the mountain road trip. So you've got at Utah, at Colorado, the 24th and the 26th. And you're talking about the 27th day off for the, for the Cats of February 28th, the day off. And then you play at USC. And so the travel, you're traveling to Utah. you got to get on a flight, go to Colorado. you got to get, and I don't know if they're going to go back to, come back to Tucson or if they're going to go straight from Colorado to LA and play USC. I'm not sure how that's going to work schedule-wise, uh, logistically-wise. But, I mean, that's three on-the-road games back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Um, and you're talking about, again, toughest road trip in the pack and then playing our hardest road game on the first. You know, two rest days, third day later. And I, so I'm going to actually chalk that up. I think that'll be a loss. And so I think we, you know, I think we end the, the Pac-12 season this year 20 or 19-2, and two, which obviously is incredible, right? I mean, if we end the season with three losses, two in the conference, we absolutely have wrapped up a one seed, in my opinion. We, you know, we're continuing to be a top 
three, top five team. And I don't think that's anything, you know, that's not a huge worry that we lose that USC game. I just think because of the way the pack has scheduled that game, where they put it, it really didn't do any favors for Arizona. And it's going to be difficult for them to win all of the remaining seven games. I just do think that. Um, then we'll move to UCLA. They play against Washington State, Washington, and Arizona, all, Arizona State all at home. Then they go on the road at Oregon, at Oregon State, at Washington, and then at home against USC to end the year. And so, you know, for them, it's they're going to beat Washington State and Washington and Arizona State at home. Those three wins will definitely be fine for them, you know, and that'll put them at 13 and four in the conference or 12 and four in the conference. Um, but the at Oregon game on February 24th is going to be one that Oregon's already beat them this year, and that was uh, at Poly. And so they're playing in Oregon this time. And again, I think that's going to be a difficult game. I believe that if Arizona was playing at Oregon this year, that we would lose that game. Like Oregon, I think, just plays better at home. It's a tough environment. It's a big game. Oregon's going to be ready for them. And so you're talking about, a, I think, another loss there, which would put UCLA at five conference losses at that point in time. Then I think they'd be at Oregon State. They win that one. They win at Washington. And then they end the season March 5th after, a, you know, after five days off, but they end the season at home against USC, which... That rivalry game is always difficult. Just having lost over the weekend to USC, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be hard fought, but I do think UCLA wins that one. So I think in the end, again, UCLA ends up with five conference losses, which puts them at 16-5. and five. And then USC ends the season with against Washington, Washington State, Oregon State, or at Oregon State, at Oregon, at home against Arizona, and then at UCLA. And so for USC, again, I think they win the cupcake games, Washington, Washington State, Oregon State. But then, again, Oregon, at Oregon on the 26th, at home against Arizona, which I've already chalked up as a loss for Arizona. So I think they win that one. And then away at UCLA, which I think is a loss for them. So I think USC ends the season with at least um, five losses, if not six. And it will really be that Oregon game. Will Oregon have a letdown after playing UCLA at home and lose to USC, I don't know. It just depends what Oregon team shows up. It's the biggest, you know, crapshoot when it comes to a team is Oregon. You just never know which team's going to show up. And so I think, obviously, we go into the Pac-12 tournament this year at the end of the year with Arizona's the one seed, UCLA is the two, USC is the three. And obviously, that's not a shock probably to anybody, but I think that's just kind of how it breaks down. Arizona's going to have two conference losses. USC or UCLA will have five. USC will have six. And we will win the Pac-12 in dominant fashion, in my opinion. So, to end this podcast, let's talk about Built Bar, right? Because obviously, you know, Arizona Wildcats, they consume Built Bars. It's obvious by their play, the stamina they have in the game to run people out of the gym. And, you know, honestly, we're not going to be do you want athletes like them. But if you consume a Built Bar, guess what you're going to expect? You're going to expect more stamina. You're going to expect a better day. And frankly, you're just going to enjoy something that's tasty and delicious. So next time you need to step up your game, next time you need to, you know, perform at your peak, why don't you grab a Built Bar and see what happens? All right. Thanks for listening. I'm Ross O'Hare, and this is Locked On Wildcats.